if you get angry about your tax money going to poor people and refugees and that, and you are not equally, if not, should be more, but equally, if not, more angry at the fact, if you're not angry at the fact that multi-billion dollar corporations get even more of your money (laughs) and pay none of it, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, but Jim, haven't you heard? They create jobs and then trickle down economics and and it all it, the money ends up back in our pockets somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you see what happens to all of these uh, cities that wind up with a heavy tech infrastructure. Uh, they, uh, over time, eventually just sort of push out everybody who isn't a part of that tech ecosystem because they can no longer afford to live in the homes that were once their communities. Absolutely. I don't know what you mean. The, the world is getting better because in every good version of the future and not a dystopia I've ever seen in media, the whole world is big mega city skyscrapers everywhere. And surely that's the, that's the path we want the world to go on. And advertisements everywhere oh yeah i i love nothing more than being reminded of my overlords coca-cola and how they produce every single product that i can consume coca-cola owns christmas what i like is that (laughs) these multi-billion dollar corporations do create all these jobs then they give the jobs to um unlawful immigrants and refugees in the country (laughs) and then have convinced everyone else to be mad about the jobs being taken even though it's not a felony to be an undocumented migrant in the country and take the job but it is a felony to give the job but the companies don't get punished instead the refugees get abducted by ice i'm sorry to bring in (laughs) politics into this show that's never talked about politics it's a video game podcast you want to know whether the video games you already like are either perfect or great and i know that i'm supposed to provide that service but i just want to point out I, I basically this morning I covered the story about how a bunch of companies in the UK are paying no tax and getting million tens of millions in tax relief as part of a tax relief program that was intended for smaller companies, but it's just been used as a tax avoidance racket. And it just I just felt like I wanted to point out that you're a fucking tool bag if you get angry about poor people getting some of your money. Jim, Let me tell you Jim. this as someone who pays a lot of tax. A fucking... Conrad knows I complain to him about it all the time. <laughs> yes. The fucking... The amount I'm on the fucking hook for. And I, I want all of it to go to fucking poor people. Not so that the government can have a new gun to give a man to do... a gun thing with it in another country where we shouldn't be oh 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 no we no no no, you're thinking too small jim we we need to build missiles and jets and and then sell them to countries (laughs) that are engaged in limited conflicts so that we can secure oil rights indeed because what what purpose is there in making things other than to fuel war so that we can steal the oil? We'll go, hey, we'll help. We'll help you not get murdered. Give us your fucking oil, though, because we made the guns and that are going to save you. Nice oil field. Sure would be a shame if anything happened to it. Yeah. I should clarify, when I said that they're using my tax money to make a gun, the gun is the size <laughs> of Hungary. <laughs> The trigger requires five Sherman tanks just to pull. Jim, Jim, you're forgetting, though. Poor people and minorities caused all of the problems. All of them. And that's why we don't give them the money. 
Every one of them. They they are they are simultaneously lazy and relying on the you know handout system, but also really motivated to steal your job. There's this three year old. Um, there's this three year old Mexican kid. <laughs> yeah. And she was interviewed by Fox News, and she said that there should be a war for oil. And then George Bush saw it on TV and said, the Nat sounds, this is my impression of him, Nat sounds like a great idea. Waka, waka, waka. I'm going to have a war for oil. And that's how, it's, that's how it's the fault of every refugee who committed the felony of wanting to live. Ah. Sorry to get political on this video game podcast that has never gotten political before. No, no, we've we've got to set the tone for season two off of the bat. You know, this is the political yeah, season. This is the new 52 reboot of Podquisition. <laughs> More aggravating for you to listen to than ever. <laughs> I mean, exceptionally high spirits and high energy for someone who's given up. <laughs> <laughs> Like you've got, you've got nothing left to lose once you give up. That's the point. Yeah, that is the beauty of it. What is it? The the cover of the Max Payne. Say, hey, video game. There we are. Video game, and that one was perfect or great. <laughs> so whichever one it was, I don't know. Um, yeah, the best, the best. People say that giving up on life and everything is bad, but what they don't take into account, what these clever dicks don't take into account, is how easy it is it's just real easy to just stop giving a fuck about everything yeah it's true basically i was i was in the kitchen before we recorded right wiping um multi strawberry juice off my counter because i had a punnet of strawberries that i ate over the weekend and, and i didn't put out a new bin liner so i left it on the counter and it just leaked strawberry juices everywhere and as i was wiping that up i was thinking to myself you know what i think i'm just gonna give up <laughs> And now I've, I've made that life decision for myself, and I feel fantastic. It's a weight off, right? You right. no longer feel obligated to give a shit about the future yeah. because there is none. There is none. No future. The, the planet's going to burn alive in the next five years anyway, so why do we care? It's some fucking video games. I, I, I am not kidding when I say when the climate scientists told me that if things are not dramatically changed immediately, we will be killing each other for water in the streets by 2050. I love a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I've got something to work towards or not because I've given up. I'm, drink I'm drinking orange juice out of a giant glass. Do you know how many tongue ulcers that's going to give my sensitive little tongue? Loads. <laughs> I can't normally drink pineapple juice. I think I'll move on to that next. I'm not thinking yeah. about the future. I won't regret this. Yeah. I, I, had, I had two ice creams out the freezer yesterday and not just one like I would normally do because fuck it. Why not? Life is too short not to treat yourself. Fuck it. I'm going to start eating peanut butter again. I ate an entire box of chewy chocolate chip granola bars in the last 12 hours, and I don't give a fuck. I, I have a tub of chocolate uh, chocolate spread in my office that I'll sometimes just dip a spoon in and just eat a spoon of chocolate oh, yeah. spread. Oh, yeah. Why that's the a fuck not? Potato crisps. Uh, oh. oh, man. I just got myself a new iPad. Buyer's remorse is tomorrow's problem. That's what credit's for. Yeah. That is exactly what credit's for. That's what it was for. Why Why not run up a huge line of credit? Because we're all going to die before they collect on it. Right? At last. The companies, the companies fucking destroying this planet haven't thought 
that when we're all dead, we won't <laughs> owe them jack shit. Oh, but they'll pass yeah. the debt on to our kids. They ain't got no futures either. Fucking idiots. No, not even that. None of us are having kids anymore because we can't fucking afford to. It's true. Who do we pass our debt on to? Yeah. Fucking no one. We're going to have no next of kids. Oh, you think my son is going to pay my credit card debt? Sorry, I had to eat him because of Brexit. Checkmate, atheists! <laughs> anyway, that's the tone of the podcast from now on. Sorry about that. This oh, God. Is new- oh, God. There are, people are going to think that I've, like, come in here. <laughs> this isn't Conrad's fault at all. I just... Laura and I apparently are just doing this now. What have we done for the past ten minutes? We just decided we're doing this now. Whatever this podcast is. <laughs> Hello, Conrad. <laughs> Hello, Jim. Hello, Laura. Welcome to Podquisition. <laughs> Welcome to the new 52 reboot of Podquisition. Marvel's all new, all different. I'm Jim Sterling. I'm joined by Laura, Kate Dale, novelist. Not novel, writer, because it's not a novel. Uh, writer, but book author who put books out and, and shit. Book girl. Memoirist? Yeah. Memoirist and also coffee table book about botsist. Uh, which I... Anxiously awaiting. Oh, oh, this, oh, the art in that's so good. I can't wait to show people this fucking artwork. And we are joined by our new co-host, Loki, agent of Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to be the trickster god here. Yeah. Do you want to know my thought process for that? <laughs> Please, do tell. I just got done doing a solid business on the toilet and thought I'm going to call <laughs> Conrad Loki, agent of Asgard. <laughs> That was my thought process for that. Do you like it? That is how all great ideas come forth into the world, is it not? Jim, was that decision made before the chaos that was the opening of this episode? Because if so, you have some fucking clairvoyance going today. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I was I was on the toilet doing my doing my brown wrong business. And I, and I just... The, the words agent of Asgard came into my head. And I thought, right, Conrad's Loki now. <laughs> uh. We are indeed joined by Conrad Zimmerman. Who, I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, I don't know Conrad, why you said it like that. Conrad Zimmerman, um, who is a, a co-host on another podcast of mine, Boston's Favourite Son, which we do with lovely boy Jonathan Holmes. We just call him Jonathan Holmes now. Yeah. He fucked that for himself. Yeah. He's also on a podcast that I'm on. He's on Dice Funk, where we do Dungeons and Dragons, and we pretend to be mythical, magical people doing all sorts of adventures. Indeed. It's quite adventurous, yes. And I'm yeah. just so excited to be joining the show i i have not done a lot of like even talking about video games in a long long time i mean what's and, the point well yeah i mean it's all over right i mean to make it easy for you i'll try and make sure that you know we talk about video games as little as possible okay well then then it's gonna feel like familiar territory yeah it's gonna feel like everything else you've done with me where we oh, have yeah. a central <laughs> premise and then just don't bother but the the difference is, and this has always been the defining thing of this show, you've got me quietly in the background like, no, we have a list and there are video games on it, boys, you know, pay, att- yeah. pay attention, there are video games. And unlike with Jonathan, when we do work with him, I listen to Laura. <laughs> well, well, Laura has a far more commanding voice. And commanding presence overall. Yeah. I, I give the impression I know what the fuck I'm doing when I turn up and I'm like, here's a topic list and shit. I, I give the air of knowing what's happening. I mean, really, that's all either of us, I think, is ever actually needed. <laughs> it's just someone to do that. Yeah. Just somebody who seems like they know what's happening. Yeah, we basically a veneer of credibility is what I've <laughs> traded on for the past 
15 years. And and I'm really glad that you're here to provide it, Laura. I'm I'm I think this has been great so far. Yeah, I am I am enjoying this energy. A rollicking good start. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Podquisition. See, I downvoted you for a reason. <laughs> I'm not bitter about Reddit comments ever. So, c- considering the start we have talking about, you know, a-, a lot of discussions about where money goes and that sort of thing oh, yeah, and yeah. being angry about bad people who do bad things with money. Uh, Comrade, you've stuck a news story in the topic list for this week. Should we talk about unions? Oh, can we? Can we, Can please? we talk about unions? Yeah. For his next trick, Randy Pitchford will make workers' rights disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's uh, so Troy Baker uh, recently stated that he the reasons for him not returning to reprise the role of Reese in Borderlands Three, which he appears in, I assume because that's what everyone has told me. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah, uh, but he's he didn't reprise the role because Gearbox wasn't doing a union job, and he's in the union. And so he's sticking up for fucking unions. Yeah, this is real fucking important because uh, not not a video game example, but we found out this week that um, Kickstarter is just firing people left and right who try and join any kind of union. Oh yeah, they're being absolutely beastly. Uh, yeah, like w- me, me and and my partner Jane have got like a a few Kickstarter board games on the way still, but like we ain't backing any more board games on Kickstarter after this because. Fuck that! It's a tough scenario because there are a lot of really good, worthy projects on Kickstarter. Yeah. And Kickstarter knows it can leverage that because you're punishing those projects. Yes. As well as Kickstarter. Absolutely. It's an awful psychological, emotional leverage that Kickstarter has here. Yeah. Well, I was I was watching um, some Twitter activity about this uh, the other night and uh, a couple of notable people you know we're talking about projects that they have that their audience base are sort of lefty and it it merely being involved with kickstarter and it, when kickstarter has this anti-union stance was making them question whether or not they could support these causes that they actually cared about yeah it's it's a real fucking low blow for anyone who's got a project currently like trying to crowdfund on their as this news broke, because there's every chance that they had no fucking clue that was a, a, a Kickstarter policy when they put their project up, and they're now in this weird, awkward middle ground. But, yeah, Borderlands... Th- 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 this news about Borderlands 3 did not surprise me in the slightest, because nah. all the shit we've been hearing about uh, Gearbox trying to weasel out of paying people for work on, on, on that job, or for paying people properly for what they do on that on that game yeah there was the the royalties dispute with david eddings who, yeah. who didn't reprise his role as claptrap there's there's been a few characters who didn't come back this time and it's been like kind of notable yeah yeah and and this you know texas has laws you know relating to this and and, and union work that are you know not great and it kind of puts it in a position where gearbox can kind of give the finger uh, in a lot of ways to union contracts and and so it it sucks like it's really unfortunate that that's the case because i i, I kind of liked borderlands at one point i 
I liked Borderlands 2 and Tales from the Borderlands. They yeah. were good. I, I liked, I, I, I enjoyed the first one enough that I got my wife and uh, her cousin, who was living with us at the time, uh, I had three Xbox 360s in the house on LAN uh, playing on in different rooms mm. with my wife and, and her cousin. And it was so much fucking fun. I had a great time with it. And I am sure that because, you know, they've been refining the formula, I'm sure the gunplay and all of the loot collection stuff and all that crap is still just as good good as it was in those yeah borderlands 3 is decent enough like the the actual loot stuff is like it, it I, i've said on twitter and I, I might do a video on it like ha- how it shames a lot of triple a live service yeah. games like the cosmetics that you earn just by playing the game and they're a reward like it feels great and it's a reminder of what we've lost um so borderlands 3 in that regard is is you know notable right but for as much as it is you know like all you know more of the borderlands that i love it's also more of the gearbox that i kind of don't yeah yeah and everything that's preceded the launch of this game uh that that cropped up in the news has just been one thing after another after another it's gearbox shitstorming at its most perfect that's been the whole lead up to uh, bl3 and uh, frankly i mean i can't see any other focal point for it other than randy pitchford and he's the ceo he's the one out in front you know it's but there's no way to get rid of him either so yeah yeah he uh yeah so because people bring this up every time i talk about old randy bo bandy and they're like well can't he get fired um no there there aren't there isn't a board here it's a private company so he is ceo and there is no one he has to please because it's not publicly traded yeah i mean if if he did not have a majority stakeholdership and, you know, a majority of stakeholders could convince to remove him. There's probably an apparatus in place to do that, but he's making money. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen while people are still buying his, his games, and that's going to continue to happen because most people don't fucking care about what goes on behind the game. But he really should just step back for the good of his company and the people who work there. Like, there's, there's a reason why you don't hear about Bobby Kotick going off on one on Twitter. Yeah. He knows better. He's filth. Bobby Kotick is scum, but he knows better than to go on Twitter and be scum all day long. He's smart enough to sit on his pile of money and just not draw any attention to himself. Just be a billionaire. I don't think Pitchford can do that. I don't think it's in his character. He is a performer. Well, yeah, yeah. He's this fucking, he's a magician, you know, um, literally, uh, not just for the fact that he, you know... Is a, a stage magician or illusionist. A liar and bullshitter. But yeah, he loves his illusions, which, given his propensity for lying and his history of misdirection, right? it almost feels like a like a dare. It almost feels like he's <laughs> daring the world to draw the comparisons. But yeah, like he... The guy's a showman. I used to oh. like him before he started lying to my face. Um, yeah. Because he's got this this sort of... Uh, charisma to him. I've I've been there live when he's doing a demonstration at a game show, and yeah, he's got this this personality to him that worked out well for him until he got caught. He he was like that. There were similarities in watching him talk to say Peter Molyneux before he really started to fall apart, where 
you you watch them talk about the things they're making and you want to believe them. Yeah. Like there is something really quite fascinating about the way they they talk about the things they make. And, you know, that veneer can only last so long. And at least Peter Molyneux pretended to be sorry every time he lied before he did it again. (laughs) At least Peter Molyneux pretended that he wouldn't do it anymore. And then he did it again. He'd wrap that next lie in just a little bit of sugar. Yeah. He was nice about (laughs) it. Whereas Randy Pitchford just has stuck to every gun that he's shot himself in the foot with. You could always count for old Pete for a little lube. Yeah. I, I still fucking love the, the most recent time I spoke to Molyneux where we had that big old interview about how he wasn't, you know, he'd learned his lesson. He wasn't going to talk about his games before, you know, before they were out anymore. And we had we had this whole, like, hour-long thing where he just didn't talk about any upcoming projects he had, and it was really nice. And then I found out two days later he was about to announce a game that wasn't going to be out yet. And I was like, oh. Oh, God, love Oh, him. it was 48 hours. Like, I had to rush my interview out because I was like, in 48 hours, I'm going to be beaten to the punch on this. <laughs> I would love to see Peter Molyneux wearing nothing except one of those green hats that money counters wear on television. <laughs> Riding an exercise bike to the theme tune of Thomas the Tank Engine. Sweating a lot as he does it. (coughs) That's apropos of nothing. I'd just like to see it. It's a good visual. It's a great visual. I'm uh, I'm really working up a sweat. Oh, the the green money counter hat is uh doing nothing to keep the sweat from my brow. Be great. Ah. Uh, so yeah, unions unions are good. If you're a company that won't support unions, fuck you. Yeah, I, I mean, here's this other thing. Like, um, going back almost a bit to the people complaining about their tax money. Is, Wait, you mean people like you? Uh, tax money going to poor people. Oh, okay. Not not having to pay so much tax only for general. it to go to things that aren't poor people. Just a massive cannon. Um, <laughs> a massive cannon with wings. Um, right, what was I talking about? Right, yes. Going back to that, people basically complaining about being oppressed in some way and then blaming the wrong people. Um, people complained when... Performance Matters was a movement. Voice actors wanting more rights, more more um, freedom in contact, uh, contract negotiations, more visibility there, and of course more pay. And then you get developers saying, well, why should the voice actor get paid more? And I don't. Instead of just thinking, why don't I get paid more in general? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, like it's worth noting that Troy Baker has a union. Therefore... He doesn't have to put up with bullshit. Get organized. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's that that argument just it drives me nuts every time I see someone saying why should they get that thing because Yeah. The answer is why am I if they're undervaluing those people, if those people think they're getting fucked, I know I'm getting fucked then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like the people you always... Uh, the, the one that always jumps to mind for me is it's about medication in America. It's like, oh, why is naloxone free, but my asthma medication costs $800? I'm like, just... You're so close to being there. <laughs> Ask right why there. your asthma medication costs $800. You want universal uh, healthcare. That's what you want. That's what you want, yeah. <laughs> it would help you out. Yeah. Fucking people. Jim, you... 
you, you played that goose game this week and you you were not riding the hype train i'm sick of it i i if i never hear the word <laughs> goose again it'll be too fucking soon every day on twitter every five minutes i'm seeing a picture of that fucking goose that is the that is the greatest trick the horrible goose ever pulled it's not just annoying the characters in the game. It's annoying anyone else who doesn't want to hear about the fucking goose. I, 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 okay. I can understand your general perspective, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, playing the start of Untitled Goose Game, like, I played the first hour of that game and was like, ah, I'm really not, you know, it, it was fun to, it's a, it's a game that's fun to play with other people around Bigging up the persona of being the asshole goose, and to to to, to you know verbalize being like a oh, fuck you and mum being big and angry, and you know mechanically that that first hour I was just like Aah. I played it through to the end. I played all two and a half hours. I think there is a really solid punchline to that game, and it's short enough that I think it's worth pushing through for that punchline. I think the the final ninety minutes is stronger than the first hour. But like I am kind of in the the, I'm kind of in the the uh, camp with you, Jim. That I don't think it's as an amazing a game as it, the internet has necessarily made it to to be. The hype makes it look like IGN didn't care about Titanfall all that much. That's how big the hype is for Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. Okay. So hypothetically. Let's say somebody was aware that there was a game out there called Untitled Goose Game because until Twitter decided to shit the bed and no longer work right, <laughs> all he could see image-wise for several days were, uh, you know, like the occasional politician yelling about impeachment or a fucking goose and only understood what one of those things might mean. Uh, what the fuck is this? Uh, you play as a goose in a small English town, and you have a to-do list that is basically fucking with villagers. So it'll be shit like, um, you might have an objective that uh, make the farmer hammer his thumb accidentally. So you wait until he's trying to hammer a sign into the ground and you honk at the right time so he accidentally hits his hand and falls over. Um, it, it's, it's shit cute. like that. It's, it's kind of Metal Gear Solid-esque in that it's... Be sneaky and stealthy, don't get noticed, complete your objectives and get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. But you're a goose. You have a honk button and a big, here's my big wings button. Most of the objectives sort of can be boiled down to pick up a thing and put it somewhere else. So, it, in general. It, it does escalate beyond that. Like, without getting into specifics, um, the third area of the game, so sort of you're like 60 to 90 minutes in, Mark. Um, does something interesting where you have two neighbours who live next door to each other and you're basically getting them to fuck with each other by doing activities in such a way that one neighbour thinks the other neighbour has done something really bad to them so they'll try and get revenge. Like, that's a really fun concept, for example. Um, like, there are some fun ideas this has with its puzzle thing, but largely it's... Do a thing so that a, a posh English twat falls over and then mash the honk button and the make your wings very big button and go, it's quite fun to watch posh English twats from a tiny little village that's probably, you know, the kind of tiny English village that's probably a bit, you know, right wing and, and homophobic and nonsense and just watch them suffer and have a bit of a laugh while you honk like a, like a goose. The premise is good. 
you know. Yeah. Like they, yeah, I, I'm kind of on board with that. They describe it, you are a horrible goose. You're a goose and you troll people, and that's it. Um, but for me, it was kind of like Goat Simulator in that I'm like, brilliant idea, but after five minutes, I was over it. I realise it, it expands beyond that, yeah. but the, just after five minutes, I... I just was like okay i i honestly i think the best way to play this is to play it in bursts maybe play half an hour here and there play like because it's split into like five pretty well segmented half hour chunks i think half an hour is about as long as i wanted to play that game before i was like i feel like i've got my fix of of what this is going for if i feel like a bit more of it later i'll come back to it i think if you play it like one area after the next back to back it's it makes it clearer how much of it is repetitive um theming in terms of its mechanics but it, the way the way i tried to put it for like considering the way people were talking about this game i quietly hoped it was going to end up being one of those indie games that like you know those indie games where you see they have a limited run physical release like a little while after they they came out and you go yeah yeah i yeah i want to pick that up as a physical thing i want i want to own a physical copy of this um I, I didn't fall into that camp. Like, of the two indie games I played that came out that week, Sayonara Wild Hearts has been announced for a physical version. I'm like, fuck yeah, I will buy a physical release of that. Untitled Goose Game, eh, no, I played it once. I, I, I get I get the gag. That's it, yeah, I get it. Like, I've I've enjoyed some of the, uh, some of the Twitter memery. I've enjoyed some of the, uh, Goose, you know, here's the Goose honking a bunch saying trans rights and stuff like that you know i liked one which my friend louis made king crude on twitter he did uh, a shot of final fantasy 7 with the midgar zolem impaled and they're like who could have done this and then the goose runs by and i'm like okay that one was witty um but in general i i'm done seeing the fucking goose um i'm not to say the game is bad um, or anyone's invalid for liking it. I'm glad that it's brought so much joy to people, but I don't need to see other people's joy. So <laughs> you can all stop expressing it. Thanks. <laughs> I, 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 I want to make it clear. I'm not as down on the game as you are, Jim. Like, no, no. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I have, I have enjoyed. I, I haven't been pissed off by the the meme stuff. I, I having got to the end of the game and gone, okay, I, I see what your end point was. I've kind of enjoyed some of the Twitter meme stuff, but uh, it's one of those games where the hype may have just spoiled the water for me. I, I here's the thing: I never will begrudge someone who gets turned off of trying something because too many people tell them it's the greatest thing ever. Like I, I talked about this when the miss uh, when Swery released the Missing back in what was it like December last year. Mm. Uh, I didn't play it for like six months because too many people were shouting about it, and I was like. No, no I, j I just need to play it when I get round to it. Yeah, like let it cool down. Yeah. I should have maybe done that. Like, I was look but I was genuinely looking forward to trying Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. Um, and I didn't watch too much about it because I'm like, the name alone. I'm, and I've said before, I'm a sucker for a game with a good name. Um, it always gives me a good feeling. Um, but yeah, I played it and I'm just like, this is not living up to... It was just another goat simulator situation where I'm like, the, the idea is money, but it is also so the same thing. Yeah. It is just the one note joke or the, the one honk joke that I uh, 
I, I didn't need to carry on. And I, I've got yeah. so much other stuff to do now that, you know, maybe I'll go back to it and try some more, but... Yeah, there, there were games that felt more worth my time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I got to... I didn't... I, I did get somewhat far in... Not far, far, but I got to... I got to the area like you mentioned with the the neighbors. I got that far. Yeah. Um but I, once I reached that point I was like, you know, what? I I've, I've had my fill. There there are some moments in that game I think are genuinely great. Like one of one of the moments that I had so much fun with that game was uh stealing a child's toy to hide it in a shop so that he was forced to buy it back from the shopkeeper. Uh, and the little non-verbal interaction between this kid being like it's my toy. Why is it in the shop? And the shopkeeper going, "No, fuck you. You're buying it. It's in my shop." Like that was kind of beautiful. There, there are, there's something to be said for like the sound design in that game is really strong for how it accents the sort of, "Oh, you're doing a mischievous," and like it, the music is well paced. They do a good job at telling a non-verbal narrative. You know, there, there are things. The goose is cute. Yeah, the goose is cute. I just hate it now. <laughs> I, I, I do want to have a question about a detail that was raised earlier. I, I think I might have misheard you. Are you allowed to spread joy on Twitter? Because I thought that's like against the terms of service or something. <laughs> I think basically people have, have... They're doing the Area 51 thing where they can't stop us all. <laughs> so they've all rallied around the goose. So this is just one one big Naruto run, yeah, <laughs> at the gates of Twitter, but they're sw- but they're goose, they're honking geese. It's a Naruto honk. <laughs> Can I just say, did any of you watch the footage of the people who showed up to that Area Fifty One raid doing their Naruto runs at the fence? I saw some photos. No, because I knew one way or another it was going to depress me. Can Can I tell you what what I saw in the footage? And it was the most like. It was the worst thing to see. It was a bunch of people like getting to ready to do their Naruto runs, running six steps, reaching the fence of Area 51, and stopping and sort of all congratulating themselves, like, aha, we Naruto ran at Area 51. I'm like, you went six steps. No. That's not. That's like the time I shook my penis under my pants while Hulk Hogan was on the screen just so I could tell people I jerked off to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Six steps isn't even enough to break into a proper sprint. No, that's it. Like, they were still, like, they hadn't built up sprint speed. They would, that, it was a leisurely bent over jog. (laughs) No one cares about Naruto jogging. Yeah. What about you? What about you, comrade? What have you been playing? Um, so I've been playing Risk of Rain 2. Oh, you were a big fan of the first one. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, it it, it certainly had its its rough edges to it, but I'm, I'm into roguelike mechanics stuff, and I like games that, uh, you know, like Binding of Isaac to where if the things go in your favor, you can have just some ridiculous, ridiculously outsized overpowered combination of effects going and i mean and and i was running for the time five years ago a not insignificant rig and the pc version of risk of rain would just drag my system to a crawl (laughs) as it tried to process everything and so that was always really satisfying um and then i saw the trailer for risk of rain 2 when they first announced it and that it was gonna be a 3d game instead of the 2d that the first one was and i was just like "Ooh, yeah it was bold to to change it so dramatically right and that i mean and it so often doesn't go well in that transition i mean you know certainly things are a lot different now versus when you know 
I got to have the experience of watching all of my beloved 2D properties be birthed into 3D. Uh, Are you you suggesting that the first 3D iterations of some of our most beloved franchises were not amazing? Perhaps. Perhaps that is what I am saying. I still remember being sickened by things like, was it Tekken and King of Fighters and that back in the day when the PlayStation 1 first came out? Uh, Even as a kid, I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, watching it happen in the arcades was equally perplexing. Uh, At least it was better there with Virtua Fighter and Tekken. And, you know, at least it felt like it had the arena experience because you were competing. But on a little screen at home, it just, uh, it never felt right. And, uh, but I'm, I'm actually really pleasantly surprised by how well they have managed to recreate the experience of Risk of Rain in that 3D, you know, third person over the shoulder perspective that it has it it's a difficult game i haven't finished it yet and i'm not exactly sure what the exit point is and part of that's just down to it being a really really long time since i last played risk of rain but um the character types from the first one that i've managed to unlock and have reappeared they play just like they did in the original game translated effortlessly into 3d which is really just incredibly impressive the interesting kind of traversal stuff that you would develop with certain power-up combinations as you run through the world now, if you don't i guess I, I probably ought to say if you haven't played risk of rain one of the things that's most significant about it from its uh, challenge design is that while a lot of games will make use of the timer feature in them to do the, uh, uh, you know, for how, for how, you know, like, you know, you know, areas they get locked off if you don't break it under a timer or whatever, and that's how it does yeah. it. In Risk of Rain, it's strictly, you better move as fast as you can because it only gets harder. Yeah. No matter what you're doing. Like, it will get a little more difficult stage for stage, but over time, every enemy gets more base hit points you get higher frequency of elite types of enemies coming up. Nahal have elemental status effects, and bosses just start wandering around. And it goes on and on and on until it just eventually does overwhelm you or you get to the exit. It's, it, it's not like something like Binding of Isaac where you can try and be a perfectionist clearing every room and doing everything. Yeah. Like the impression I, I keep getting about this game is... Just just go, just go, just keep doing. Just be doing stuff and going. At a certain point, at a certain point, 100%. I mean, I think that there are different strategic approaches to, like, getting, you know, spending a little time in early game areas just to get some, you know, things that will help you take enemies down faster and thereby generate more money more quickly to unlock things that are just in passing. But there certainly comes a point where you just have to cut bait. Because you're entering into an, a stage for the first time that's already got boss enemies surrounding you, and you just need to run. It's 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 really good. The 3D thing for me, there are some challenges. One thing that I really appreciate about the uh, the 3D version of Risk of Rain is that there's no randomness to the level design. Mm. It's the same every time you know there are a bunch of different stages they have the same physical configurations now just like the original game they 
all the items are randomized and in random locations. The exit point is stashed somewhere in there. And so there's still a healthy sense of exploration, but you can familiarize yourself with the environment in a way that I think is really kind of critical to having it in a 3D space. Because for one, I personally, one of the biggest problems I have with 3D games is that environments can always, can often look so samey room to room. And then when you randomize that, uh, and you can't build sort of a, a memory, uh, like a, a, an aware, a spatial awareness about the environments mm. uh, to, to play through them. You're just you're, you know, crippled from the start every time. Um, and so that I get lost in a lot of 3D games. I just lose track of where I am. I am a constant map checker. Yeah. And I have to make sure I'm looking the right direction. It's a thing. So I I appreciate that they went with something a little more yeah. configured, but it's great fun. I'm I'm glad we've reached a point in game development history where studios that make a good polished 2D thing, it's not an impossibility for them to go. Let's try and do it, this idea in 3D and on a first attempt be able to make something polished out the gate. Yep, I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah, I wish it. I wish it. Had a different publisher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Gearbox are doing that one and all, aren't they? Yeah. Our corporate overlords own everything. Yeah. Every time we think we're talking about something <laughs> new, it's like, no, that 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 owns that's owned by one of the companies we've talked about before. I was quite fond of the first Risk of Rain. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think you and I played it together at one point, Conrad, for a thing. Oh, we may have. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. Um but I noticed that the I was I was just checking on the internet while you were talking to see if it's on Switch and Risk of Rain Two is on Switch, so I may get that. Yeah, I'm. I did the same thing as soon as we were t- like. I was like, I remember liking the first one, and Comrades really playing up the second one here as being good. Uh, I'm gonna look up gameplay footage and see what the Switch one runs like. But assuming it runs well, I might pick it up on Switch. Yeah, that that I may have to do that right. if I'm not too busy with. Ghost Recon Breakpoint on Friday. Oh, I can't wait to die. <laughs> uh, how how is that going for you, Jim? I, I I've I've not played the full game. Um, I'm waiting until Friday because I'm not paying a hundred bucks for the gold edition or a hundred and twenty for the ultimate edition. Microtransaction stuffed garbage fire of trash that it is. Um, I played the beta last week. It was boring, boring as shit. I call it a beta at this point, especially so close to release. It's a demo. It's a demo they've given a fancy name to. Um, so I'm not looking forward to it. I know I'm going to play it because, because you know, it's part of the job and people will want impressions of it. But it's one of those moments where I'm not distinctly not looking forward to playing a video game. Um, and I'll fully admit that even in the video, you know, I'll admit that there's the, probably a sense of bias there. But no, I'd rather just play more Code Vein. Yeah, Code Vein! It's real good, huh? It's, 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 I'm very fond of it. Yeah. It's got issues. It's hard, it was hard to get into it after the Surge 2, because the Surge 2, I, I prefer the Surge 2 vastly. But as an anime Dark Souls thing, it's got, it's got a voice of its own. It's got a sense of personality and it's interesting. This, this has been a really good month for not Dark Souls games. Yeah. Yeah, because like I, I've not paid any attention to um to Code Vein since I I played it for about three hours. I had I had a hands-on experience with it about two years ago, and I was like, this feels like Dark Souls. 
It's anime as fuck. That's all I need to know. It seems good. And I did not pay attention to any trailers or any gameplay footage or impressions or anything like that until it came out. And I'm, you know, I'm not a huge amount of the way. And I'm maybe five hours in, but it's basically anime Dark Souls. Yeah. I would say, having played more of it, I would say comparisons to Bloodborne are probably a little more apt now. Yeah. Um, just because there is a sense of speed to it and these attacks that you do to regain uh, basically MP. They call it I-Core, but it's basically MP. You do these tr- attacks where you transform limbs or summon limbs and do them for backstabs or parries. And there's a real like Bloodborne sense of aggression and speed there. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got like your uh, your modern projectiles. You've got your guns and whatnot. But um, yeah, yeah. I one thing that I did not expect to enjoy as much as I have is the uh, multiplayer slash AI co-op thing. Yeah, the AI partners, even though they won't shut the fuck up, and it's like Dragon's Dogma all over again. They are borderline essential at least in terms of having saved my ass at real crucial moments and i'm like i am so glad they were there after all their time telling me not to run too far ahead or telling me that we need a key for a door that just told me i need a key shut the fuck up (laughs) all is forgiven Uh. when i'm one hit away from defeating the boss and the boss kills me but the ai partner is still there and donates half of their health to me i'm like all is forgiven as long as you manage your meters so that you like you know that they've got the ability to revive that at least one of you has the ability to revive the other if the other's looking shaky and you keep yourself in that zone like there is a real back and forth to being like i'm not gonna do this right now because i might need to revive my partner so they can revive me yeah there's an interesting balance. Yeah, I really like the variety of customization options as well. Character creation is incredible. It deserves all the praise it's getting. I spent like two hours on character creation and like you 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 can make like in a game like Dark Souls, you've got character creation options, but ultimately everyone looks kind of the same. Um, you can really look vastly different to everyone else playing in this. Like, there is a lot of variety of appearance. Yeah, I made the prettiest anime boy, and he's the best boy. Uh, and got lovely makeup on, and lovely hair, and a big floppy hat. It's such silly levels of being able to customise, though, because it's things like, okay, you've picked this outfit for your character. Now if you go into advanced settings, you can remove or add any piece of that outfit... As you wish. Yep. Do you want to take the sleeves off it? Do you want to take the jacket but leave the tie on from that bit? And I was upset that the fancy Carmen Santiago hat, which I painted bright pink, of course, yeah. had the anime hair clipping through it. But then when I tinkered in character creation a little later in the game, when I got bored and wanted to play around with it, and I, I was like, I'm going to have to change the hat. The hair clipping is too distracting. Then I'm like, oh, you can tilt the hat in any direction you want. And you can raise or lower the hat on your head to the point where it's damn near floating off the top of your head. But it's not clipping. Yeah, you can also float it just enough to get out of clip range and still make it look like it's being worn. And I'm like, this is brilliant. And you can wear cat ears if you want. Did you know you can also put like items of clothing in places that don't make any sense? Oh yeah, you can wear a hat on your dick if you want. You can have a hat just float in front of your dick if you want. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Put the hat anywhere. Um, there, there are comparisons with another Namco Bandai game um, in Soul Calibur. Mm. It, you can't get quite as wild as you can in Soul yeah. Calibur, but it's there are very similar. Um, there's a very similar sense of freedom and 
options just the sheer yeah. amount it's another one of these games that's putting the AAA industry to shame because it's like look at this fuck ton of cosmetic customization and look how much more fun I'm having with the game knowing I made a character that looks exactly how I want it to without having to find it in a fucking loot box yeah. or something I got the hat of my dreams uh, complaints about this game like early on the the story presentation isn't always great um, it's 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 anime nonsense that doesn't leave anything to be particularly mysterious. Um, this is not your Dark Souls where you're le- reading interesting bits of lore about this mysterious world. It's like, nah, we're going to be a bit ham-fisted anime. I was disappointed immediately when I'm like, oh, it's all about Revenants and Undead and vampires. We get to be anime Dark Souls vampires. Oh, the first thing the loading screen tells me is that they are parasites attached to your heart. And I'm, oh. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Parasites. Sure. Yeah. You know one thing that gave me a good hearty chuckle in the opening hours of that game? Hmm. Uh, the first, like, big boss you fight is just a dude named, like, Oliver something or other. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's the most, like, I can't remember what the fucking boss name is, but it's it's just, like, Oliver Sampson, your friend from the office. Like, it, it just sounds like such a weirdly generic, like, uh, that is the name of, uh, oh, shit, I need, a, I need a name of a man. Yeah, like, that jumped out, like, the later bosses are things, you know, Butterfly of Delirium and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the first one was just, oh, it's all. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Ollie. You and your sword. Oh, you've gotten really big now, Oliver. Oh. Oh, you've got a giant hammer now, Oliver. Oh, no. It felt very weird when he became a big monster with a huge hammer and he was still, like, his health bar still said, like, I'm Oliver. I'll be here to hit you with me hammer. I'm Oliver. Did he want some more? He did. The, <laughs> the, the enemy designs are fantastic. I, I've got a, I'm a big fan of the gas mask aesthetic in general, and everything's got a gas mask. You have to wear it because otherwise you get too vampire because of all the miasma or whatever it is in the world. And then the ones who have already sort of gone all monstrous from too much being a vampire, <laughs> like have the gas masks melded into their faces and start looking monstrous and and it's just great there's a real nice aesthetic to this game um but yeah other complaints is when it comes to being difficult the game is not that hard like i've gotten through it without much incident but to try and be difficult it's basically Basically, its approach to difficulty is every cheap trick the Soul Series ever pulled. Yeah. And that's all it is. Ambushes constantly. Mm. Like, that happens here and there in Dark Souls. Something will be hiding behind boxes or hanging on a ledge and it will jump up at you and go, ah. Yeah. It's everywhere here. Well, the, the thing is, Dark Souls uses it sparingly enough that it catches you off guard when it happens, yes. whereas here, every time I get to a fucking corner, I'm like, can I cheese the camera around the corner and see if there's anything around there? And there always is, almost always is. Yeah. Pitfalls everywhere. Like, m- so many of the areas are chasms with walkways, constantly. Um, what else? Enemies hit silly hard. Oh, yeah. All, all of them do the thing where, like, one hit will take off, like, 80% of your health, and it's like... Yeah. You, you just cannot let yourself get hit twice. And your healing items do, like, don't even recuperate half of the damage they can take off to the yeah. point where I'm like, why, why give me so many healing items that heal so little when I've got to use multiple ones after every encounter? I'd rather them just give me fewer that heal more if, you, if you're that averse to me healing. Mm. Um and it, again, it's not like the game is hard because once you realise, just dodge into them. 
and hit them from behind every time. Like you get hit a lot less, but whenever you do get hit, it it feels like man, you really didn't think of a way to make this hard, did you? You just made them hit. And the enemy tracking gets on my fucking wick. Yeah. But, like, what I'll say about this is, for a first game in a new franchise, like, there is definitely something really promising about Code Vein. Oh, absolutely. I really like it for all my complaints. Yeah, like... I I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep playing it. I have no intention to stop anytime soon. And if they make a Code Vein 2, I will get excited about it because you know, the the problems I have with this game are very fixable things. Yep. Also, I love bayonets. Oh yeah. But that third attack in the combo where you backstep mm-hmm. has only ever gotten me into fucking trouble. Yeah. Less of that, please. And it's a shame because that attack looks so fucking cool. Looks cool. Functionally almost useless. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, your attacks will just miss, even when you're locked on and in range. Like, the the combo for the bayonet, where you do the backstep, but you choose it manually, backstep and just charge forward and can knock them down. Mm. Again, looks great. 50% of the time, the gun will just clip past them and not hit them. Uh, and then they will hit me, because I've basically just walked into their face with a sign on my head saying, hit me, please. Um <laughs> But I'm in a fire area now where there's like fire up the walls and in really tight spaces and I've had to switch weapons. Yeah. Because if I forget about the backstep in the middle of a combat, I will backstep into fire. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, I really like bayonets, but the ranged damage on them could do with being a bit beefed up. Like, you don't have to make them that weak. Yeah. The backstep needs to go. Make them stronger because you're having to use up uh, a resource to use them. So that's your justification for them doing decent damage. Well, yeah. Like, it comes with a cost and that cost is a resource for all of your other abilities. So it's like, I don't know why they made them so weak. Um, Yeah. But aside from that, I really like it. And I really want to keep using bayonets or the, the one sword I have that's light. Um, along with light veils, um, the, the blood veil is like the armor that you have in the game. That's my advice: is go light, unless you're doing the Zweihander, because people swear by the Zweihander. It's not quite for me. I've never liked slow weapons in these types of games, but that thing is a beast. I I don't tend to, but I've been really enjoying the Zweihander. It is a beast. I did try it. I've fallen into that camp. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, the ability to have that. The, the light dodge, yeah. if you've got light equipment on, and you don't roll, you just sort of float away in a direction. It's so satisfying. And that's my thing, is I'll... That my, my approach to almost any enemy is to dodge straight into them mm. to get behind them and then s- slap them about. And that that's my advice I give to anyone who's not handing it. That's that's usually me in games. Like That's the whole way I played... Um... Astral Chain was just go light and go fast. But, you know, this this one got me. Yeah. But it's a really compelling game. Yeah. I like the map system in it. I like where it shows you the um, all of your footsteps in a really clear way on the map, um, which lets you navigate really well, and you unlock the map by finding these little corrupted missile things um, and cleanse them, and that reveals the map. That's always satisfying when you've been trudging around an area that isn't mapped yet. Mm-hmm and you're a little bit unsure of where you've been and where you're going, then you find this little mis- missile thing. Missile is in mistletoe, not not rockets. Not not what our tax dollars are going on. Not not tax the taxpayer-funded missiles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you 
basically map the area that you've been in and you're like, oh, now I can see the, the little corridors I haven't gone down yet. I like them. I don't like the cathedral area of the game. There's one level that's um, a cathedral. When you first go to it, you're like, oh, this is all a bit Anor Londo-ish. This could be cool. Then you realise it's the longest area in the game you've played that far and it all looks the same and it's all <laughs> mazes with the little drop-down things. And I'm like, this is the worst. Uh, you're describing hell. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd be into this game at all, really. <laughs> like, like, up to this point, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I get by it. And then, oh, no. You, you know what those mazy bits reminded me of? It reminded me of some of the disorienting, confusing, same, same bullshit over and over architecture of the original The Surge. Mmm. There was there was some of that, everything looks the same and I don't know where I'm going and I feel like I'm wandering around the same six assets for hours. Yeah, the the locations in general, the design isn't all that great. It's all very generic, um, which doesn't... Unfortunately, just doesn't complement how, how great the character and enemy designs are. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's... Uh, I've been having a, a good, a real good time with it. It's yeah. I'm not in love with it like I was with the Surge too, but I like it. I'm very fond of it. I I'm very excited to see what what can be done with a follow up to this if it does well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and if I recall correctly, it's it's got like universe ties with those God Eater games. I I I know it. There's a lot of very God Eater things in it. I don't know if it is in the same universe, but like there's a lot of stuff I look at and go. That looks God Eater as fuck. Yeah, that's another one I wanted to... I wanted to enjoy God Eater, but it was a little bit far on the, the Monster Hunter curve for me, and I generally don't get on with that type of gameplay. But this, of course, is right up my... It's like that person on YouTube said, oh, Jim just likes anything that's like Dark Souls. But if it's good, yeah, I do <laughs> tend to like things if they're good and they're similar to one of my favorite games ever so not that out of character how dare you like things that are similar to your favorite thing <laughs> well yeah no because as opposed to the alternate viewpoint of my thing is the only thing that is good and all of the other things like it are just pale imitators yeah no, that's true yeah uh i wanted to be playing a bunch of my switch this week and i can't because nintendo has my joy cons right now because they are finally fallen victim to the joy con drift you got the drift yeah my my right Joy-Con just constantly thinks I'm pushing the analog stick to the right. Yeah. And the left one, not permanently, but like every now and then it'll just go, you're pressing up. And I'm like, no, no I'm not. <laughs> but you're pressing up though. And I'm just like, both, both of them have gone like pretty close to each other. And I had a bit of a frustrating interaction because apparently if you're in America, zero problem, Nintendo will just go, yeah, we recognise that's a fucking problem with our controllers. We'll repair them, we'll replace them, it's fine. I spoke to a customer services person, they were like, you not got your receipts, you ain't getting any repairs. Uh, the advice I had from the internet was, just send them in, they'll still repair them. Like that. Apparently their official company line, if you ask, is, uh, that's just a rumour, that's not a real thing, no, no siree. But if you send them the controllers, they will replace them and repair them. I'm, you know what? I've had a fuck enough of these Joy-Con deniers. <laughs> Denying drift. Um, I'm a Joy-Con truther. Yeah. That's a shame, though. I, I don't think I've ever experienced drift myself. But then I did, I did um, 
change them out for different colors. Like I ended yeah. up getting the lemony ones, and then I ended mm. up getting the pink and the greeny ones. So maybe I, I ended up switching them too frequently for drift to happen. But the ones I've had now, for, I've had for quite a while, so it could always happen. Yeah, I get car sick, so I don't think it's for me. Drift. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so the. Both both of mine went at the same time, and the, the reason I've got no uh, like receipts for them is I bought them both secondhand because I wanted blue Joy Cons, and when they the, the Switch came out, you could get it with one blue on one side and red on the other, or you could get both grey. And I like things symmetrical, so I didn't get the the, the neon one because I was like, if I'm gonna have blue, I want them both blue. So I had to find a secondhand blue left one somewhere and a secondhand blue one right somewhere, and they worked perfectly well. And then two years in, I'm like, oh no. Oh no. Um, I still got my pro controller, you know, I guess I could play docked on the TV, but I play the Switch as a handheld mostly. And like, some people when I've said this have been like, oh, just get the Switch Lite then. I'm like, no, because they've not fixed the drifting issue on the Switch Lite. I don't want to have no console at all when my controller starts drifting two years from now. So yeah, I've been playing 3DS games this week because I've realised I'm just a handheld gaming person. Yeah. It's it's good to accept things about yourself. Yeah. Going back to the 3DS, I've learned one major thing, which is the entire 3DS now exists to be an advert for the Switch. I bet it does. Yeah. Um I so I loaded up the eShop. I was like, I want to I, I want to, you know, just see what little bits of software I've not, you know, picked up. Maybe I'll get that 3DS port of Luigi's Mansion or something. Um the eShop on Switch, uh, on 3DS, is just... The Nintendo Switch Lite is out now. Also, the original Nintendo Switch. Here's a trailer for the Nintendo Switch. And then, like, a couple of small buttons down the bottom to buy stuff. Like, most of two screens is adverts for the Switch. Wow. But the Switch isn't replacing the 3DS, oh. yeah. The 3DS also, like... It's clearly getting killed off. Um, In the first 24 hours that I wanted to go on the eShop to buy stuff... I stumbled into a four-hour maintenance period, followed by an eight-hour maintenance period a few hours later of just eShop downtime. Wow. Oh, no, no, that just demonstrates how dedicated they are to the 3DS platform. (laughs) They're doing all this maintenance. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Um, You can't just use your credit card anymore to buy stuff on 3DS. They they shut that down in September. Uh, You now have to go buy those prepaid Nintendo point like money cards. Oh bloody hell. Um which they've stopped selling them in anything lower than fifteen pounds or like fifteen dollars probably. Mm-hmm. Um so if you want to get something that's not a fifteen dollar increment of price, you're gonna have to factor in spending extra money because you can't pay the exact amount. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. The three DS like I still love it as a system. It was a great system. Yeah. And I'm using the word was. Yeah, it still is. Like, I'm I, I'm, I'm going to tell you in a minute why I've started playing my 3DS again while my Switch is gone. I'll get to that in a sec. But um, it w- once you get past all of this nonsense of just trying to get games on it, it's still a really nicely made system and the games oh, run yeah. really good on it. Like it's, I loved it. Its screens are not as low resolution or as small as I remember them being in the the glasses of, oh my god, the Switch is amazing, the 3DS is terrible, fuck you, you're going in a box. You know, it's not that bad. (laughs) 
but I've picked it up because I've started I've started shiny hunting in 3DS Pokemon games because there's like two months until the Switch Pokemon comes out. So I'm pl- I'm I'm playing more Pokemon. I have to accept that this is my MMO equivalent. This is your life now. Yeah, Pokemon is your life. This is the one game that I play. Like there are some people who just play an MMO. There's some people who just play FIFA every year. Apparently, it's me and Pokemon. Yeah, I just pulled my 3DS out for the first time. I, I recently moved. And as part of the moving process, I found my 3DS in a box and uh, didn't have my all my stuff set up yet. So it was something that I could tinker with. Yeah. So I just charged it and I, and I played uh, one of the Metroids. Oh. That I had from like when the 3DS came out. And the Metroids were all on the eShop because they had to be all apologetic for how badly they'd bungled the rollout of the 3ds and that near immediate price cut yeah they're like uh here you fools have a bunch of (laughs) trinkets uh have a bunch of virtual console games to say sorry i tore into the 3ds at first (laughs) when the 3ds first came out i tore it to shreds because it they the launch was shocking it grew into a really nice system, but the, the mm. 3DS in its first few months was fucking shocking. Well, I, and honestly, like, what I have for the 3DS are uh, a couple of games that are, like, launch titles that I, I can't even remember. They're not, like, major things. And um, I downloaded Animal Crossing. Yeah. I, I have, God, I can't go into that town <laughs> because I showed up there for, like, a week and then I never went back, and they are going <laughs> to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know what I've been really tempted to jump back into while I'm, you know, in three in three DS purgatory? I'm really tempted to start playing Tomodachi Life again, because I remember finding that really fun. Oh, yeah, that was an interesting thing, yeah. That was a silly little thing that I'm like, you know, I... If I'm going to have this 3DS out for, like, two weeks, that's probably long enough I won't get bored of Tomodachi Life. I might jump back into that for a bit. Actually, I've, I've been saying 3DS this whole time. You know what I have actually been doing most of my playing on? One of those uh, doorstop wedge-shaped 2DSs? Because I had one of those for a while for reasons, and I'm not going to lie, it's really comfy. Like, the size is really good. Uh, I never used it in 3D anyway. It's just taller and easier to hold in, like, my adult hands. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. I tried it at PAX once. I think I was breathing down Jonathan Holmes's neck. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. While, or he was, or I was playing it, but he was in front of me, so I had to wrap my arms around him to play it. And it was really sweet for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's... It is a deceptively nice bit of hardware, so mm-hmm. yeah, I've I've gone back in. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a part of me is like, yeah, I got a hundred and fifty something shinies. I could get like eight hundred. I could do that. Yeah. You know, that's only gonna take me like another four years. Why not? Speaking of handheld stuff, <gasps> yes. portable things. Have either of you either rather well, have either of you tried the uh, subscription services on mobile platforms, your Apple Arcade or your Google Play Pass? I've I've not played tried the Google Play Pass, but I have played uh, a little bit of Apple Arcade. Definitely better value than fucking Mario Kart Tour subscription. 
Fuck that. Absolutely better value than fucking Mario Kart. Oh. Fucking five bucks a month for 200cc races on a real subpar Mario Kart game. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm playing Shinsuke. No, that's a wrestler's name. What, what's that game called? I just don't use my phone for that. Well, here's the thing. I don't think I'm going to stick with, with Apple Arcade, like, long term. But there's a bunch of really cool indie games that have come out recently. And I was like, I'm either going to pick these games up on... Uh, I was going to pick these up all on Switch individually. But I'm like, I could just pay for Apple Arcade for, like, two months and play through all of those indie games and be done with it and see what the service is like. It's a really good value. I've only dabbled in it a little. I played Shin Sky, that's the game, the Capcom one, the underwater one. I'm just going to say this. It's a really good value for the consumer. I really worry about the the financial prospects of this for uh, for developers, and I'll get into that in a second. I think there are some developers who are going to get really fucked over by this monetization model. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, I know one of them is better than the other, but I forget which one. One of them pays developers up front. I believe it's Google Play, uh, the Google one, um, pays them up front. I believe Apple, they pay based on a percentage of of time that you played that specific game. So a game that might be fantastic, but only an hour and a half long will get less money from you than a game that is worse but is longer. Have you noticed the slow and steady erosion of Apple from a plucky tech, you know, thing to to a computer giant to financial institution that's been going on? Yeah. Yeah. I I should just point out, it's the other way around. Oh. Google is the one that pays... According to Google, developers earn a royalty that incorporates time subscribers spend in their app. So, yeah, that's Google. That's fucking monstrous. Oh. Apple pays them up front. I, in that case, I take back my criticism of, of Apple Arcade. That that was the main thing I was worried about about it, is I thought that was the deal. But I'm I'm keeping in my general criticism of Apple. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, no, you're right. Apple deserves all the criticism in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, they're a, they're a monolith that is overpricing their stuff and, you know, not properly paying workers, and they're, a, you know, a monstrous yeah. company. But if you're comparing Apple Arcade or Google Play Pass to Mario Kart's Gold Pass, then, <laughs> then I know where my money's going. So I've tried Apple Arcade... I I did. Uh, I mentioned earlier. I got a new iPad because I had the 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 Mario Kart Tour inspired me to try Apple Arcade, and I've I really like its prospect. Um, but I'm not sticking with an iPhone. I'm fucking sick of it. I'm going back to Android for a phone. Um, but I do want to keep an eye on Apple Arcade, so I picked up a, a new iPad, to, and I've just downloaded a bunch of games. I've only played a couple. Uh, Shin Sky is really interesting and atmospheric. I played Sayonara Wild Hearts, but I I only did that on the phone. Yeah. And I'm going to try it on the iPad because on the phone, I didn't quite get with it. I think the screen was too small and it was moving too fast for me to take it in. That's fair. So I'm going to try it on the iPad and see. But it's got, I can tell it's a well-made game and it's got a ton of style to it. Yeah. Um, And I played the Enchanted World, which is a sliding block puzzle game, but good. Mm-hmm. The, the one that I've been meaning to check out that's on there is, uh, I believe it's called Neocab, and it's a game where you're trying to solve a mystery, but you are also, like, basically an Uber driver, Ooh. and you're trying to use your position of driving people around to slyly uh, get information from people to try and solve this mystery. I love that idea. I'm going to download that now. Yeah, that it seems real fucking cool. 
Uh, I know it's on Switch. I believe it's on Apple Arcade, and like it's it's on my I need to to check this out list. So like probably next week I'll I'll talk about it. Oh yeah, there it is, Neo Cab on Apple Arcade. Yeah, it looks real interesting. Yeah, and this I mean that you know one of the benefits of this idea is it's getting me to try out games I wouldn't. I may not necessarily look up. I like the idea of a Netflix model for games where you get to download them rather than stream them in. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically what this is. This is what annoys me about Nintendo, is I've been calling on them to draw upon their embarrassment of riches of retro games to come up with some sort of Netflix idea for their service, for their hardware. And they haven't done it. Um, They finally, you know incorporated SNES games into their Switch Online. But now they're not doing monthly updates of games, so it's just whenever they fucking feel like it. It's like, will we never learn? (laughs) Meanwhile, Apple and Google, of all the fucking companies in the world, are actually making headway with the idea. With, you know, caveats and concerns. But they're making headway, whereas Nintendo, the innovator, Nintendo, the trendsetter, on mobile, is just making gacha garbage like everyone else. Yeah. And yet, the sheer wealth of a library that Nintendo has, that it could do a a subscription Netflix-style model on the Switch or anywhere else, and they just fucking won't. And Apple is making more strides in gaming than they are in terms of services. That's fucked up. Yeah. But Apple Arcade is so far promising, and I'm looking forward to uh, tinkering around with it some more today. Yeah. And breathe. And that's mm. that. We we tired now. We we did it. We did a show, everyone. Wow. We did a podcast for you to listen to. I hope you enjoyed it. How 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 are you how are you feeling, comrade? How have you adjusted to to, to joining the the chaos? Uh yeah. I mean that felt like a podcast. <laughs> yeah. One benefit here is like like I, I said on on Gab's last episode, like there's no one more suitable. Yeah. To come in. Oh shucks. Because <laughs> Conrad, you. You know us both. That's true. You've put up with my bullshit for a very long time. It's true. And Laura's a delight. Absolutely. Conrad actually likes Laura. <laughs> we all have compatible bullshit. Yeah. Um, so for me, this just felt good. It felt good here too. Yeah. It felt good. This, this, is, this, is, this feels good. Good, good. Ah. <sighs> yes. Okay, well, I'm... I guess it's time to wrap things up. Um, Laura, is there anything you would like to tell our lovely listeners about for them to go on to and enjoy now for you? Me? Me and all my stuff? Yeah. You should check out all my things at Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, LauraKBuzz.com. That is where I post links to all of the things that I do. Uh, Particularly of note, go check out the article that's like three and a half thousand words long I did this weekend about... uh, I went and did a game jam where I swapped places with game developers and game critics swapped places for three days. So we had to work out how the fuck to make a game in Unity while they got to sit around and uh, talk about how shit our games were. It was great. Uh, LauraKBuzzStore.com. You can pick up the audiobook version of Uncomfortable Labels. It's my memoir. It's also available in book form where books are. Uh, There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That is coming out very soon. Uh... Other podcasts, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, uh, Dice Funk that I'm on with, Comrade. Comrade, d- tell us about your stuff. Um, okay. Well, let's see. I have a Twitter account uh, that that I do tweets on, and uh, it's, I mean, 
you know, you want a sense of the voice. It's a lot of what you've heard over the last hour, basically. Uh, but that's at Conrad Zimmerman. Um, I make kind of crude button pins that I sell on the internet. Those are great. They're fucking amazing. Oh, thank you. A bunch of those are on my Jimquisition outfit. They're really good and on point. Yeah. And they can be on, on your outfits too, and you can go find all of that at uh, pinfultruth.com. Go, go check them out if you too have anti-authoritarian sentiments of some variety. Yeah, that's a lot of it. A lot of it there. And you can, uh, that's also on the Twitter bio if you don't want to figure out how that's spelled. And uh, I do some other podcasts. I do, as Laura mentioned, Dice Funk, um, which is a tr- tremendously fun D&D podcast. And you are on what seasons? You're on seasons five and six? Five and six. Uh, yeah. And I also do a BoJack Horseman podcast that has up till just recently been on a temporary hiatus i think and it's now coming back so uh that's a lot of fun it's called of horse uh bojack horseman fan cast we're in the middle of season three going episode by episode and and talking about how it makes us feel and how much we fucking hate wayne yeah and oh and i do uh, another podcast with jim uh called uh boston's favorite son uh and our good friend jonathan holmes and that's you can find that on twitter at boston's fave son oh i forgot about one more podcast can i throw it in get it in there I, girl i i do pixel squirt uh me and uh mari and stacy from the geek remix youtube channel who guested on this show a couple of weeks ago we just review video game porn i love it it's a fun time uh what what, what did we what did we watch this week i can't even fucking remember um oh we watched metal gear solid porn oh oh metal rear solid mm. oh well that was one of them yeah but we we went down a rabbit hole uh we watched one that involved um we watched one that involved quiet getting domed and like anal fisted uh and then some baseballs being shoved up her ass that's a lot <laughs> it was a lot so check check that show out pixel square that's fantastic Good times <laughs> it's one of my favorite things i do in a week it's great <sighs> i need to check out more of that because i loved um i loved having um stacy marie on yeah so yeah uh do you get all your things in, Conrad? Yeah, I think I got everything I need to get in. Yeah, you mentioned our horrible, unfunny comedy podcast that we do. Um, as for me, I mean, you know all my stuff. Do check out Jimquisition. We've had a good, good little uptick in views lately, but um, I'm still surprised at some of their performances. Um, not quite being where I'd like them. Um, but otherwise, uh, do keep an eye if you're interested in my wrestling ventures. Um, it's looking like I'm booked in for two one-on-one affairs. Um, very interesting, maybe not straightforward matches, but more than I've done before. Um, on par, if not a bit more than the Royal, uh, the Battle Rumble I was part of. Not the Royal Rumble, the Battle Rumble I was part of. Um, so that's going to be exciting. There's a lot of interesting things going on at Pro South. Um, that they have their live stream show at the Pro South Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, do check that out. It airs every Friday, and I am on it sometimes, and will be on it. Um, I'm thinking October eighteenth. It should be there October eighteenth. Um, other than that, I mean that is that. I'm going to go off now and waste time until AEW Dynamite airs tonight. Ooh. Real wrestling on television again. Real competition for WWE, first since the millennium began. I'm excited. Great time. 
I'm off to get excited for that and play a bit on my new iPad and deal with buyer's remorse tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.